This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Listen to me, people, and listen to me good. People aren't doing the things that people should. And I've gotten mighty tired of watching from above. All you people killing people And all in the name of love for me Well, it's just one thing I know of To wash away the blood Looks like it's time for another mother flood Well, never mind, galoshes Don't you bother about the boat mm, This time when I pull the plug Hey, hey, that's all she wrote No two by two is gonna do this time I start from scratch and I'll have you know my pinky toe could build a better badge now how are you gonna kill your brother under 50 miles of mud get your umbrella it's time for another mother flood well I know I made a promise that the first will be the last but the raven's back on Everett and the rainbow's fading fast Don't tell me it's a tragedy, you know that just ain't true Don't no one cry for dinosaurs, won't no one cry for you Yeah, and you know that's true is Mr. Eric Schwartz, who, as you know, is a friend of the podcast. Uh, That's from his newest album called The Better Man. That's a track called Another Mother Flood, uh, which is kind of the opposite of the song The Better Man, which I'll be playing later. Uh, And that's Eric's take on, of course, God looking down at all of us and thinking, "Ah, really, guys, (laughs) you really need to get your shit together. Because, um, you know, we're 
crazy here. Uh, so everyone, welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to uh, It's Not Live today. We're going to be putting this up on the cloud, as they call it, which is very strange to put things up on a cloud because clouds are just these misty, wispy things, and yet there's things on them. Um, and uh, this show will be one of them uh, up in the ethers of the internets. Uh, and uh, But this is the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, technically today is the 19th, I believe. Frightening thought, November 19th. Uh, but as we know, time marches on quickly around here and everywhere, it seems these days. Uh, and uh, did not write an essay for you guys today. Uh, been busy. Been busy trying to finish someone's book, my guest's book, and I have not finished it yet. I'm really frustrated because it's really good. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, so, uh, but just thought I'd catch up on some things that are going on. I just look out in the world and see, hey, what's going on out there this week? And the biggest thing I see is lots of snow in Buffalo today. I don't know, 50 inches and and counting or something insane like that. It's... But those people in Buffalo, they're used to that. See, I'm out here in Los Angeles. I have short sleeves on right now, and I think it's maybe 72 degrees outside. So the idea of 50 inches of snow um, scares me. But for people in Buffalo, it's just another day for them in November. But it does seem like a lot, a lot of cold, kind of early, like before Thanksgiving, really? I mean, usually that people talk about, oh, maybe it'll snow on Thanksgiving. So I don't know. I hope you East Coasters and you Northerners don't get the kind of winter you had last year because I know it was miserable. Um, but we're here. I mean, you know, we're here in the middle of this true change. There is a change in the weather. And uh, it just becomes more and more apparent as every season comes by. As I say here from California, that's um, three years into our drought. Uh, we had a little bit of rain last week. It was so little. I think it was like an eighth of an inch or something. I was excited. <laughs> I just saw to see wet on the ground is like, I don't know, it's like hope. Hope springs eternal around here when I see wet on the ground. Uh, so, yeah. So hang in there, East Coast. Hang in there, Buffalo, uh, if anyone is listening. And, of course, this is an international audience. I don't pay attention to the international weather. I, I will do that more often. I will give a shout out to Bangkok weather next week. I think that's what I'll do. Of course, it won't be a podcast next week because we'll all be eating turkey. But uh, but maybe in December, I will shout out for Bangkok. And Bangkok, because it's funny. It's a funny name. It's got a K in it and the word bang and cock. And you can't go wrong with a name like Bangkok. Anyway, uh, the other thing I noticed, um, <clears throat> NFL still do dealing with shit. Fascinating what's happening to the institution of sports in this country, especially the NFL. Uh, yeah, so they um, suspended a guy for spanking his kid. <laughs> well, with a stick, I guess it's pretty, I mean, that's, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at the fact that this shit goes on day and night everywhere. Um, kids are always getting spanked by things like that. And it's just so fascinating how we pick this one case and this one person and we go after them and how it then shifts the whole cultural thinking behind it. And, and then the standards change. And that's all good. I mean, it's all a good evolution. But it's like always interesting, the one person that's picked out or, or the 10 people that are picked out and, and how and how the culture shifts and how the culture has this momentum towards things, sometimes good, sometimes bad, in my personal opinion. Uh, but but it is fascinating. I wonder where the NFL will be in 10 years. I mean, they have this big vision to start a team in London and they want to expand internationally. And yet, I don't know, all this talk of concussions and um, domestic violence. And if you've seen that domestic violence commercial when it comes on during the NFL game, 
um, I think good for them. And then I also think cynically, yeah, but they're making those guys say that and they're making them do that. So they look good because they need to keep their corporate image up. And I, I get a little cynical around that. But hey, if it's an actual conversation, just even approaching some people's minds who've never even thought about it, then we're heading in the right direction. But the one thing that I do worry about, and the thing that I've been saying lately and seeing lately on Twitter, especially social media in general, but Twitter, especially my newest tweet is I come on during the day and I say, hey, what are we outraged about today? Because there's always some, I don't know, maybe it's the people I follow. I follow people who have strong opinions. I strong, I follow a lot of feminists. I follow a lot of comedians. I follow a lot of uh, political commentators on the left. Um, so people that have loud opinions, I guess. So maybe my Twitter feed looks different than everyone else's. But I just noticed lately, there's just a lot of outrage going on. And I'm the kind of person, as you know, <clears throat> that likes to kind of sit at the big picture window and look at the big picture. And so um, although I can step into each of these people's camps and have an argument for all of it, really hold multiple perspectives around all of it, kind of have an integral perspective around it. Um, I also see this, this, I just get the feeling which could really backfire on all of us, this sense of like the unruly mob going after people that they don't like and changing these people's lives. And and I wrote here, I said, social media has either become the unruly mob getting people fired for saying, doing, and or proposing what it deems as bad behavior, or it is ushering in a transformation of the institutions we used to use to give due process to people about what they said, did, or proposed. And it's either both or neither or all of the above. Um, it's just... I find it a really interesting cultural phenomenon to watch. And, and yay, yay, more people have voices. And yay, these voices are coming together and collectively asking the world to change things and transform things. And yet, um, you know, social media and uh, having a loud opinion about something is, is, is a neutral thing and it can be used for good or evil. And so sometimes it worries me that all this is going to turn around on us and, uh, I don't know, <laughs> lead us to a dark place. But, you know, I, I have dark thoughts like this sometimes. So, but I, I hope, I hope we can all, hmm, what do I want to say? I hope we can all just settle into some deeper grounded place within all of us and really mm, operate from that place. Um, you know, and, and I believe that is happening. I believe on a lot of levels, people are doing deep work on themselves and watching the difference between their kind of their id and their ego and, and the unhealthy ego and healthy ego and all of that and, and becoming aware of where their perspectives come from. Um, but there are plenty of people who aren't doing that work and who are who are at a different level of development or thinking and uh, and just see the whole world as us against them. And that's not really how nature set it up. So um, that's a construct. So that worries me. I mean, I, I look at what happened in Jerusalem this week and I think, wow, axes? These guys took axes into this place where people were worshiping? I mean, it, it's so insane. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, all sides aren't culpable here on one level or another of, of harming, harming each other. But um, wow, it's back to axes. So um, 
Anyway, those are my thoughts for the week. Uh, they're not all rosy this week. I don't know. There's a lot of wonderful things happening, too. But, you know, I look at the social media and I think I just I just kind of the echo chamber. I guess it's what it is. I just look at the echo chamber. and I think, oh, that's all that's going on. And yet at the same time, um, you know, each of us wake up every morning and we're trying to figure out how to be how to be the better version of ourselves, how to live the life that's more fulfilling, that's richer, that's that's more meaningful um, how to how to have relationships that are more connected, how to feel more secure with maybe less wealth and you know money wealth, um, how to take care of our bodies in a world that where we feel inundated by messages and chemicals and so you know we're there's a there's a lot of people asking big questions of themselves in their lives every morning and I really find that that's a powerful thing you know don't use it as a club to beat yourself up but. Who am I today? And what is it that I want? Um, how do I? How do I make myself feel more comfortable in my skin so that I can be a part of the bigger conversation to be of service of the big thing out there in the world? Um, I guess the question is, you know, how do I become the better man? And so with that, um, here's Eric Schwartz, I'll be back with our guest in a moment. There is one whom I have wronged And he looks at me Angrily This bothers me No matter what I do I offer my apologies And always he ignores my pleas But I ask myself What the better man He would forgive me, so I'll forgive me too. There have been so many times that I have felt so low. I would rather die than look at me from someone else's view. And always there were those who would gladly tell me I'm no good but I ask myself what the better man would do he would love me so I would love me too I've been ashamed of the life that I've been living so take my hand Tell me I'm forgiving So if you're walking down the street And you see a soul who's in defeat Don't you pass him by No matter what you do Cause brother, don't you understand when you lend a helping hand The person that you really help is you yeah. Love your neighbor And he will love you too If you do the things If you do the things Yeah, if you do the 
things the better man would do. Mr. Eric Schwartz again with The Better Man. You can find his music at ericschwartz.com. That's E-R-I-C-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. Eric Schwartz with The Better Man. God, I love that song. Just powerful. So, uh, so excited to have my guest here today. Um... I think I'll have him tell the story of how this came about. But before I do that, uh, I just want to give a brief introduction here. Cash Peters is a broadcast journalist and an author. He's authored over 12 books on the quite eclectic topics of travel, murder mystery, health, and spirituality. Uh, Some of his titles you may know are Gullible's Travels, great fucking title, Cash, uh, naked in dangerous places, um, and this breakout one that transformative healing power of faith, love, and surrender, and uh, the one that I've just been reading called "Why Your Life Matters." You you may also know him from he was a host on he's been a host he's he's been on t- radio in Britain and America and but he was a TV host on a travel channel show called Stranded with Cash Peters. When was that? Ten years ago? Um, it was. I've really lost track. Probably eight, maybe. Yeah, eight. Eight, nine years ago. Seems like forever. 2006. Like two ice ages have happened <laughs> since I last did television. And that should be remedied. Uh, so welcome, Cash. Welcome to Waking from Thank the Thank you. Dream. I'm very excited. A little nervous, actually. I'm a little daunted really? by you. I am. I'm a little daunted you by you. You are silly. No, well, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of very smart people people unsmart women and you know clued up people even Mm. the waiter at lunchtime was telling me all this stuff about god that i should know Mm. and but he was right he Mm. was absolutely right um and so and i'm always in awe Mm. i can't help it i I, i'm in awe of people who have got it who Mm. who have figured stuff out Mm. when so much of the world hasn't and it's it's refreshing and but it's also daunting because you know you know that moment where that threshold where you're about to learn something Yes. From the very person you're supposed to be telling things to. <laughs> it's that kind of moment. Well, I, I have to say that, um, and we'll talk about it later, but you gave me such a gift this week. So uh, right back at you. Right back at well, you. Thank you. I was nervous you coming over. I'm like, oh, my God, he's coming over. Uh, so Cash uh, and I met. And it, we just, well, first of all, it, this it's a Rashomon. This is a Rashomon moment. So Cash has one version of how... He sees uh, how we encountered. And then, of course, I had a whole different reality going on. And the bottom line was that the first I I knew about you, Cash, because you used to work with my best friend, Teresa, on your Travel Channel show. She was the production company that was part of that worked with you on the show. And uh, so I knew you through that filter, your name through that filter, and I knew the difficulties of the production and some of the things that were going on from the whole other end. So I knew the name, but I didn't really know who you were, what it was all about. Um, 
And then, I don't know, a few months ago, she brought up your name again. I was like, oh, God, you know, he's writing these amazing books and he's on this big spiritual journey. And he went down to see John of God and he wrote this book and da, 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 da. And which is like really weird because he was this other person that I used to know. And isn't it amazing how people. So I that's that's the version of it that I knew. So then all of a sudden, one day, about two months ago, I get a Twitter message from you or you tweeted at me on my feed like, thanking me or saying hello or something because you said I've just found you anyway you you take it from there yeah but to my shame though I had no clue who you were and this is a terrible thing I felt terrible afterwards when I realized who you were um not because of your link to Teresa this friend but just because I seriously had no idea who you were uh, because I'm British I'm foreign I'm allowed to be ignorant and so <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I've never heard a British person say that sentence I'm allowed before. to not know. Come on. <laughs> and so I, um, what was happening was I just got, for the very first time, a smartphone. I'm really not technologically advanced at all. And, uh, yeah, I, because this is 2014 and you just got in a smartphone? Oh, I have no idea what year it is. Don't even know. If I don't remember when my show was, how do I know what year it is? I don't have a car. I don't have a television. I don't read the news. I have no idea what's going bless on. Bless you. I know. It's a conscious decision. But anyway, so I, I, I got a smartphone um, because uh, it was just time somehow. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you, because you can't buy, a, you can't buy you can, like you an can analog no, You can no longer buy an analog <laughs> no, cell phone. It's basically like an abacus now. You just, just, just put things on an abacus and nobody answers. And so I got this smartphone when the iPhone 6 came out. I got an iPhone 6. And I looked at it. It was a complete mystical machine to me. I had no idea what it did. So I just pushed things on it to see what happened. And I ended Random up like buttons. with maps and stuff that I did. Was, that, you know, my, I, my bill was promised to be like $90 a month. It was like $2,000 because I'd use 55 gigabytes of data. Um, I just, it was all horrible. And so I get this um, thing that says podcast. I thought, well, I'll push that. So I push that. And um, it has this whole list of, of people you've, you've really essentially never heard of. And they're all broadcasters now. And I, I've been like in radio for actually since you were in diapers right 40 years wow. i spent in radio wow um 25 years in adult radio kind of like doing really adult uh, responsible stuff um and uh in radio you cannot say anything no everything is edited mm. everything has a point of view and everything you want to say um will be filtered through all these people who right. really should never be let near a radio station or any kind of editing process and they are they have blinders on they are worried more about their jobs than the truth and mm. there's a whole bunch of that that goes on and in fact i i happen to be fired it's a very complex story but i happen to be fired by two uh, different shows more or less at the same time for saying things that you're not allowed to say the truth yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what, I'm gonna get, don't let me get sidetracked but what it was there was one of them where uh, I was given this assignment whereby I had to go and report on domain names mm-hmm. and I interviewed a whole bunch of people about domain names and I came back uh, with this idea that basically you can't buy the domain name you want mm-hmm. because some greedy bastard 10 years ago an opportunist yes. with money, a thug, went out and bought your domain name thinking that one day it would actually make him money. Not because he had any investment or passion in it. Right. Because it would one day make him money. Which, of course, is what happened. Now, if I want, uh, you know, some domain name I come up with, it's $4,800. Not because it's worth that. Right. But because some greedy bastard 10 years ago went and, and bought it. And that's the price you have to, right. Yeah. But I went on the air and I said, that's capitalism. Hello? But capitalism with that 
tinge to it that says, really, what I mean is, it's just pure and unadulterated greed. Masquerading is what used to be called cannibalism. Yes. I was fired for that. Well, I was, wow. I was never given another assignment. Really? Yeah. And then I went on another radio show, which I've been on for the longest. I've been on these shows for a very, very long time. I was on another one where I happened to say... Uh, perhaps unwisely, uh, that I was doing a coffee enema and I got, I got um, worms out. And they said, well, you can't mention holistic treatments on the radio. Uh, you can't mention uh, anything psychic or spiritual or uh, holistic on the radio, right. on national radio. Right. And I, and I said, but this is my life. This is what I'm doing. We're talking about my life. Yeah. I got worms out. I find that fascinating. Why cannot people know? They cannot. And I was let go. And so, um, basically, so that was radio that right, I know. Right. And when I came out of radio, which is probably about three years ago, I was done. Mm. I thought, you know, there's really no room for truth and honesty and somebody who just wants to say what is in his head. Yeah. Um, well, unless you're Glenn Beck. Is that is he saying what's in his head? I don't or know. Is he, you know, is he just true. like I don't know? There's something going on in his head that really he shouldn't be saying. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he is saying what's in his head. I don't actually. know either. Actually, I think the truth may be completely separate from what he's actually saying, which is like the ultimate cynicism to me. Yeah. yeah well, you mean he's earning money? Uh, I, I read Rich Limbaugh once say that um, uh, somebody said, "Yeah, how can you do this? How can you put out this crab?" And 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 to all these people who really aren't bright enough to know it's crab mm -hmm. and and maintain it, he's, and his answer was. Uh, something like, um, but I'm a great businessman. Yeah. That was his answer. Anyway, so uh, so I thought, I was so shocked by radio. Yeah. That I, I thought, I can't handle this anymore, so I don't listen to radio anymore. And then I get this phone, mm -hmm. and I press this button, says <laughs> podcast, and there are all these people who are getting an hour to be un. Uh, to be completely biased and unbalanced. <laughs> and I mean, not, you know, not unbalanced, but uh, not a Glenn Beck unbalanced. Yes. I mean, real unbalanced. And so, because uh, like in radio, if I, for example, say say you are uh, touting the virtues of a holistic remedy that will cure cancer. Right. I come to you and I go, oh my God, you've cured this. Right. Okay. So then I go back to the studio. They go, now, who was opposing that? Mm -hmm. And I go, actually, I think it's fascinating on its own. Right. They go, oh no. Somebody has to come in and rubbish it. And I would go out and do a spiritual kind of story. And before I go, the editor would say something like, you all make fun of this, right? Mm. When you come back, it will be funny. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like... Oh, Sincere, right. Drove me nuts. So then I hear all these people on these podcasts doing these amazing things. So back to you. Yeah. I hear... You're, you're on the second one I hear. Right. Rick Overton's it, overview, by the yeah, way. It just happens... A dear, a dear friend of this podcast. Oh, really? So I can't slight him? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, but he was brilliant. I was I, just riveted by his podcast. I, yeah. I, I, I'd listened to maybe two of them or something, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, my God, this guy's really, really good. Yeah. This is fascinating, intelligent, biased, mm -hmm. but well-versed bias stuff, stuff that deserves to be heard. Yeah. So you're on. And I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, here's somebody else who's bright and has an opinion. Where have I been for 25 years listening to these dullards spouting crap? And so I listened to you. And you say something which is so devastating and so true that I don't even know you know how true it was in terms of its, its importance mm. to the wider world. Mm. And here's the truth you said. I'm going to remind you. The conversation was about you doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I think it was about whether stand-up was, stand was actually right for you or whether plays were right for you or some kind of other medium you hadn't decided it was in the early days of your career when you got up there and you said and it's, this is true of what we all do and I, I'm responsible for it too and you said 
I went up there and I sweated over this. Mm. I wanted them to love me, I or I wanted them to get I wanted to get laughter or I wanted something and I sweated it. And you both came to the he went, Oh <laughs> you see what you do. And here's your truth. And this is the this is I get goosebumps thinking about this, right? What you what you came to the conclusion of was that all you have to do is shine as bright as you can and other people will be drawn to you. Mm. You don't have to illuminate them. Right. Right. You don't have to shine a light on them and make them more brighter. Right. You have to be as bright as you can yourself mm-hmm. and they will be drawn to you. And that is as true of a plumber, mm. uh, a preacher, <laughs> a comedian as anybody else. Yeah. And when I heard that, I I sat there and I thought, I just heard a podcast with a truth in it. Mm. You would never get that on radio, in, right. in conventional radio, ever, ever, ever. And so um, I learned to listen to more. And then there are people, uh, I, I forget their names, but like Bill Burr. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I mean, obviously it turns out that most of the modern day philosophers are comedians. Or most of the modern comedians are modern day philosophers, yes. which led me to that website, that podcast. And so that was how I heard of you. And, and what I tend to do is when people have enlightened me, I'm a tither. I mm, like to tithe. I love and that. sometimes you can't always tithe with money because the person isn't there. Um, I just tithed in, in this cafe where I had lunch where this guy was talking about stuff. Right. I tithed to him and he didn't even know. I just gave him a tithe. And so, um, but sometimes you can tithe just with a compliment. You mm. can write to somebody and say, you know, you have moved me so much mm. or you have stirred me to the point where I simply have to convey this to you, that you've changed my perspective on life. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did to you, basically. I wrote to you and said, you, whatever I said, I don't know what I said, but basically what I was trying to say was, you have changed my perspective on life. I just want you to know. I have, I have no clue who you are, but I, you've changed my perspective on life, and that matters very, very much to me. Um, and so um, do you want me to tell the rest? Because it's very well, quick. So, so then I got that on Twitter, and I was like, oh, look, there's Teresa's friend, Cash. So she writes back and goes, you must interview me. And I'm going, why would this woman who is like in with all these famous people and knows all this stuff, why would she want to interview me? Like just on a tweet. I was beyond. I I went and sat in a chair and I didn't come out of that little funk for about 10 minutes thinking I have to say no. And I'm a yes sayer. But I had to say no. I cannot say yes to this. Mm. I was terrified. It's so interesting where we put people and versus ourselves in those moments. I just think you know more than I do. I always think that. And I'm often right, often wrong. Uh, and, it can happen either And way. I totally assume the same thing, too. I assume this person knows a ton. I mean, look at him. He's, he's traveled. He's been done all these things. He's got 12 books under his. I mean, this man's he's got it going on. And he's a, and the un- truth is. And he's unafraid to, like, pour his truth out into books, you know, and and to really show up and, and, and own what he's experiencing. And and wow, you know, that's for me, that's like the definition of a hero. And I'm like, he's like really heroic in that way. So absolutely. I want to have a conversation with this guy. Wow. This is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> so we're both terrified at this moment but then that one of the miracles of the universe happens one things that can only happen if there's some form of deity however you define that right it's not or consciousness or something right because because we obviously had to meet and and i um i, I do want to tell the next bit because this is later in your show it's okay you can tell it we'll, we'll... okay i i have a gift and it's a gift i actually don't boast about or tell a lot of people about weirdly um but i have a gift for handwriting analysis and for exposing 
what would you call it? Like a person's soul or examining uh, a person's soul? This is what I would call it. This is how I explained it to my to my friend the other day because I just because Cash just did this for me. I said to my friend, so what Cash does is he takes a flashlight and he goes into your psyche and he doesn't tell you what the contents of your psyche is. Oh, no. He tells you what the infrastructure of your psyche is. And that is way more mind blowing than the fucking contents because you're used to the contents. But the infrastructure, you don't know what size house you live in or what, how the hallways are shaped or the rooms or the dead ends. And yet that's what he shows you. That's what I say. You oh, do. really? Well, yes. Well, it kind of. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I would say that's right. It, it's. It. But it is a gift. It is. And I'd done it for uh, unbeknownst to anybody at all for your best friend at yes. a time when she was not feeling so great. Right. About her life and her career. And I and knew about this. You knew because you're a friend. Right. I. I. I just. And it blew me away when I read what you said about her because I know her for thirty years and I'm like, holy shit, this man just opened up and knows exactly what who she is living inside and the trap she puts her self in holy yeah. shit I and mean, she's not a friend of mine i mean she's I actually somebody i knew eight years ago nine right, years ago right and so um the fact that that was right i mean they're usually right but that that was right and she went nuts over it and then uh I, so back to the plot yes i then you say come on my podcast <laughs> yes. and i say well if i'm gonna come on then maybe you'd like your handwriting done. This is what I do. I have a little gift. I have a little trick I can do. And you, and you go, so I'm like, oh, there's no need. I read Teresa's. Now, you've got to get your head around that. There's no way. Teresa is somebody I knew nine years ago. And has Kelly, no idea that I know. And, no. And Kelly, I've never met. And this is a woman I just heard on a podcast because I just bought an iPhone. And, I, and so now I'm thinking... This there's a realm of impossibility here. I I've just it. seen Interstellar, so my head is like still blown away by that. I'm thinking this is beyond Interstellar. This is like Matthew McConaughey is in the rafters looking down on us, trying to trying to tell Kelly to interview me, and so it became this really weird thing. And the comp- this I, I don't know how you feel about this, but there are some points in life where the road takes a, a fork. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to say there's a yes, no, and a fork, a no yes, fork. Yes. And if you don't say yes at that point, you will one or two things will happen. Either you will go along the road, realize you should have said yes, and try and go back and find the <laughs> thing. And by that time, it's all overgrown with weeds and you can't find it. Or you will go along the wrong mm. yeah. road, yeah. and for the rest of your life, we're going. Yeah. Now we call that regret, but actually, it happens a lot, and you go. Yeah. yeah, I wish I'd done that because you will never know how it turned out. And so I said yes to this, and I always say no to interviews. I get asked to do interviews a lot, and I go no, I don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And because um, uh, I'd done one a couple of years ago where it went horribly wrong, mm. horribly wrong, mm. and then and so I was burnt by that very badly. Mm. And uh, so when I said yes to this, I thought, oh, here's a smart woman who's going to tear me to shreds. <laughs> But anyway, I'm here, so you can tear me if you wish. Well, you were here, and, uh, you know, and I want to talk about all this stuff because I know a lot of my listeners, I have a lot of different types of people who listen to what I do. Some people have come through my father's work, and some people have found me and and through social media and stuff. And and so I kind of carry this this big floaty thing of people, and uh, and I was, and, and we'll get to it later, but we'll talk about the handwriting analysis later, but... That's the one thing that I I was excited to talk to you about because, um, you know, I'm a person, I'm a seeker myself. Uh, I I talk a lot about it here. I'm I'm very interested in the human journey and how we go about it and how, you know, what did we, what, when did we learn, like, when did we get all the bad training and how do we untrain ourselves out of it and all that kind of stuff. 
And um, and I was fascinated by your story, partly because it feels like what I always love in kind of the storyline of a human's life is like a person's going along and they're kind of doing their ordinary thing. And then something happens and their life gets flipped upside down. And then they go, it's like the yes or it's the yes or no path. It's like, what do I do with this information? And how do I do this? And, and there's some controversial things that you've written about. I mean, John of God is a very controversial figure. And and for the skeptics and the atheists in my audience, they're all rolling their eyes right now and think it's all. Oh, they are? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, get over it. This is going to be interesting. There's skeptics and, you know, there's all this, there's the skeptical world out there, right, which is a right. really good thing to be skeptical in our lives because, you know, being skeptical actually keeps you alive because it keeps you from walking into the fire. No, no, you see, I disagree. Oh, really? Oh, I do. Oh, let's uh, talk about I roll that. my eyes at skepticism. I think it's the most valueless currency that's ever been. But what about but what about no, the value of skepticism? No, there's no, there's no value to zero. it. Zero. No, zero. Let me tell you why, though. Okay. Right? Because what you mean is mm. being circumspect. You oh, should be circumspect. I like that. Don't go down the docks at midnight in a tight skirt. <laughs> I stopped that years ago. <laughs> Well, and thank God, because really, skirts aren't your thing. You don't think? I could, I could carry it off and put my hair back. Um, but, anyway, but no, anyway, the point was that, you know, don't do that. Uh, right. Don't, don't put your hand in a lathe. Right. Yeah, don't stick your tongue in an electric light socket. Don't, when somebody comes up and says, hi, I'm from Nigeria, send me money, don't, don't send them money. Yeah. That's not skepticism. That's circumspection. Right. That's prudence. Right. Where people, I mean, it says only an opinion, but where people go wrong is that they become skeptical and they build a wall. Right. They become dogmatic because, about yeah something. because they are scared of losing power yes their ego is scared of being powerless they, they are scared of being hurt like they were last time yes for they're sure scared of being uh, of looking a fool now but what skepticism does is if there are 10 doors to go through uh-huh. it locks eight of them the, automatically it, automatically because oh i don't go there because mm. i i have a friend who in england who i knew him in college and he doesn't believe in christmas mm-hmm. you know it's not like a, in a santa thing I he was doesn't believe say, in christmas. Do you have to, so if, if you send him a christmas card it, he hands it back to the mailman and says i'm sorry i don't believe in christmas <laughs> like now, even like the fact that someone's just saying hey have a good time this time of year no difference <laughs> he doesn't believe it he's a skeptic about uh, all forms of like joy and worship and spirituality <laughs> or something <laughs> And you go, come on, stick a card up, have a bit of tinsel. What does it matter? You know, you have some lights, have, have an a eggnog for Christ's sake. He won't do it. He for Christ's sake. He won't do it for the sake of Jesus. He won't do it. And so, um, what I've done is, and, and there's no reason for anybody to follow my lead, but I found it very useful, mm-hmm. is to go in the um, believing. Yes. And so, because uh, skeptics go, well, prove it to me. Yes. And they're... then I'll believe. That's the scientific way. That's what, you know, physics in class in school, you go, well, okay, well, show me how a Bunsen burner works and I'll prove it. You know, I'll, right. I'll believe it. Right. Um, in, but, and that's fine. I, I, I have friends who are exactly like that way. Right. However, however, there is more to this. Hmm. If you can believe... Just trust and believe and be open. Yes. Proof comes following belief. Right. It's a very hard road because all the time you're going, what happens if I get hurt? What happens if I get hit by a car? What happens if I get robbed? What happens? There's a lot of what ifs to this. Mm -hmm. But I have found just from sheer experience Mm -hmm. that if you just go, I believe, I trust, I, I believe that I will not come to any harm. Again, don't do things that will. Don't run in front of a train. You know, yeah. 
don't run in front of a train. I'm... Don't listen to Glenn Beck. The train will go through me. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no. there, there is room for skepticism there. But I used to have when the, 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 how I figured this out was that um, I when I in, when I lived back in Britain, I had what I called my "Say Yes to Everything" month. Yes, once a year, December, because mm. that's the best. That's the party month, and from December the first to the thirty first, I would say yes to everything. Wow, and. Um, Every invitation, every let's opportunity. Let, let's go down this alleyway, okay? <laughs> um, and I would do that. And those uh, months were the best months of the year. Not wow. because I, they were party months, but because I met people, I had conversations with people, I found new things, I did a whole bunch of stuff that I'd never done before. And so, to me, skepticism is simply you trying to retain control and not getting hurt or exposed or humiliated or whatever comes with mm -hmm. failing or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. To me, have I been burnt a few times? Oh, my God. Wait till I... There were these tachyon discs I bought for 100 bucks that I had to stick on the breakers <laughs> of the house. And apparently all the house energy would disappear and we would all walk around naked. Some bizarre trick I fell for. Yeah, tachyon discs. I, I discovered only later that they weren't physics, they were from Star Trek. Um, but I bought them. But, so occasionally I get burnt, and I have, I'll be honest with you. Yes. Uh, I'm wearing a thing now, I can actually put it up. I, I bought this. Right. For $500. Right. I have no idea. It's, it's a, like it's a stone a, thing. It's a thi it's a, no, it's a, what is it? It's a thing with a crystal in it around oh, the neck, okay. which protects me, from, sorry, protects me from EMFs. Right. Um, uh, not... Right. Four hundred dollars worth of knot, but I wear it every day in case. So yeah, you know, I've been a fool. Right. But when it mattered, hmm. when it mattered, I said yes. When it mattered, I said show me. Hmm. When it mattered, I believed. Hmm. And so with the John of God thing, oh yeah, of course, there's tons of skepticism. Um, but uh, for the two weeks I was there, I had a choice to make. I, I arrived in the van. Uh, and they said to me, um, th there's no going back. This is the moment that will change your life. Uh, there's, there's life before Brazil. Right. He's down in Brazil. Yes. There's life before Brazil and there's life after Brazil. Mm -hmm. Nothing will ever be the same. And I had a choice at that point. I can either go in there going, yeah. Right. Come on, really? A guy who you doesn't use anesthetic but cuts people open? Come on, it's a trick, guys. I could do that. Right. Which is my reporter side doing it. Yes. Or I could go, you know, I'm going to judge this at the end. Yeah. I'm going to open my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay myself bare to the possibility of utter humiliation and embarrassment. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to judge it when I get home. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And amazing things happened. Mm -hmm. Amazing things happened. Once I got my ego out of the way, didn't need to control, didn't need to be so smart that I was skeptical and, and, well, and whatever. And I just let it happen. And, and I think this is the, I think for me, this is the interesting point because we language around a lot of this stuff and the word belief certainly has got a lot of baggage around it. God has a lot of baggage. It's just these words have so many things around it. And yet what I find in the, the work that I've done and the training I've had, I have a master's in Jungian psychology. I've done a lot of coaching training and some leadership stuff and some NLP and, you know, just some stuff like that. And really what I've found when what you're talking about is <clears throat> that our thoughts and our ideas really do shape the reality that we allow in. It's we, you know, it's a filter. And when you say yes, or I'm at least going to put my doubt or whatever it is aside and go all in right in this moment, you're going to have 
no matter what, a different experience than someone whose arms are crossed and are looking at every little thing to to kind of back up their preconceived notions. Right. And I found I find in life in general, we have so many preconceived notions about who we are and what we're capable of and what we want from the world that really are not helpful. Well, <laughs> we, yeah. We've had horrible training by life itself, parents, teachers, whatever it is. It's all this information. It's very hard to escape tribal patterns. It, it is, exactly. And it's exactly what it is. It's tribal patterns. And it, and it was used for survival, which was essential, which is like our most primal basic thing is I want to fucking be breathing tomorrow. And... And so we, you know, and and yet in order to be able to shift in my life and to watch other people shift and help other people shift, this idea of being willing to even step into a different perspective, you know, and to be able to step into the I believe perspective is very vulnerable. It's, you know, it is an open place because you're kind of saying, all right, I'm not, the walls are down. I'm here to just experience what's happening. But Yeah, but we think that's a bad thing. It, I know. Because we're afraid and, right. and we're losing control and, and control and feelings of superiority are our thing. That's what we've been learning. Well, that's how we define ourselves. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. And, but, but when you say yes, mm. at those key points, no, mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to be, again, prudent. But yes. if you are, if you say yes, when you do, life like breathes out mm. and says oh finally mm. finally mm. now you've surrendered yeah and surrender is not that thing we assume which is like defeat right. we think surrender is defeat oh god oh you brought me to I've my knees i've given up yeah right surrender is actually a thing where you throw your head back you put your arms up and you say finally i'm here i own this moment take me take mm. me on thy will be done mm. thy will be done not a religious thy will be done but just right. do with me what you will yeah and i because of my career uh and because of the way things just worked out i've had to say a yes a lot mm. way more than i've been able to say no mm. in fact when i did the tv show i didn't want a tv show uh and now every in the everybody in the world wants a tv show right what do you, uh, what do you mean cash i know you want the, a, TV a guy show. calls up and says would you like to do a, a tv show and i go not really <laughs> he said well let's meet up anyway <laughs> And so I meet him and he goes, well, just I know you don't want to do it, but just like throw an idea out. Let's just talk about it. So I go, I go in Starbucks and I think, what would be a good idea? What's on TV right now? Uh, oh, I know, uh, Survivor. So I throw that out. I, I write up basically a version of a one-man Survivor. Right. And um, thinking what I'll do is I'll submit it. If they like it, somebody else can do it and I'll just rake in the money. Right. Stay, I'll just stay at home with tea and cake and I'll do anything. <laughs> and so they said, well, God, we love this idea. Oh. I mean, it was called Stranded. We love this idea. Um, and why don't we um, do a pilot? Hmm, sure. Yeah, it's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's cheap. We'll just get this production company that can do it. So we go off and do it. It scores higher than anything ever with the test people. You know, you know they put it before audiences yes. and things and whatever the they're called. Groups. Focus groups. It tests, it goes through the roof with the focus groups. And so I haven't signed a contract because I have no intention of doing this show. And they come on to me and go, uh, we're going to go to series. I go, you know, I'd rather not. I'm not really into this. I've got a great life and I don't want to be away. I don't like travel very much. And um, I've, I've have you not read my books? They're all about how much I don't like travel. And so he, uh, he goes, but you, and I remember somebody, some executive was sitting Sitting on the uh, side of the, um, the, the the fountains of Bellagio, they were going in the background. He's like, "I did it my way," <laughs> and he was going, "Please, Cash, please sign the contract." 
And I went to my agent. I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go away and do this. And he said, and then he was going, go, he was seeing money and going, oh, please, please just do it. <laughs> and so I signed it and it was 15 months of hell. Mm. It was the worst moment of my entire life. Nothing has been worse. Mm. Um, I hated every second of it and it was a huge mistake. However, and it made me very ill. It put me in hospital three times. Wow. And um, the people were fighting. It's so much warring. And I, I've never known anything. I come from radio where if you even speak to somebody else you, in a month, you're lucky. It's I was like, going to say, you come from British radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Roger from engineering. Rog, Rog. And he just walks by in a daze. You don't see anybody. Lifts up his teacup. Cuppa. Yeah, 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 through the glass. That's all. And, and, and his cuppa. And, uh, and I, I would sit in studios and there'd be an engineer the other side and we'd do my thing and then I'd walk out and that'd be it. Yes. There, there's no. There's no drama. There's, there's, there's no, no personality. No drama. It's it's really crazy. And so uh, I get into television where it's drama every second of the day. Everybody yeah. hates everybody else. The editors hate the directors. The director won't won't film this. Um, they the actually, cameraman's miserable. Because what they did, I, they, I, I was going to do a, 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 a show about cultures. Mm -hmm. If I was going to do anything, I was going to do film cultures around the world. Right. We'll go. I'll ask them questions about them. They'd been given a different brief, which was, why do you, this is a really funny guy. Why do you make a, a show about him? Right. So every show would be a battle because I was going, don't film me. Right. Don't film them. Oh. They're, they're the interesting ones. Wow. And so it turned into this 15-month battle. And and people loved it. Everybody saw it, loved it. And I'm, of course, in hospital. Even they're I torturing was in hospital. You, literally. And I came out of this, like, I'd been anesthetized or something. I come out of hospital and there are, like, eight doctors by my bedside all grinning at me. And I go, oh, wow. Hi. And they go, we love your show. <laughs> we just came to see. I thought they were like a students going round, uh, uh, getting diagnosed. And you're like, it's going to kill me, but you yeah, love my show. I'm Thanks. actually yeah. having my blood changed. <laughs> Bless you for loving my show, but I'm really in a bad way. And so I, I, I was really, really ill, and it just Man. got worse and worse and worse. And wow. when they cancelled it, uh, which they did really because they could see that they had a guy who didn't want to be doing this. Yes, yeah. uh, I'm not against doing television shows, mm -hmm. but clearly this was the wrong one for me. Right. Uh, I'm a cake and coffee at home guy. <laughs> I'm not a standing on the island of Vanuatu with 12 bleeding sores on my well, legs. But you did come up with the idea, Cash. So, yeah. For know. somebody else to do, <laughs> not me. Anyway, so uh, the point is getting back to the original point. Mm -hmm. So I do the show. It makes me very, very ill. Uh, after I'm finished, I'm two years in therapy, mm. uh, about eight months, six months in physical therapy, um, and uh, cannot function. I mean, I'm actually unable to function among people because I've experienced so much anger. And, I, and as we'll discover in a second when you talk about the handwriting thing, um, I am incredibly sensitive. I can't sit next to people in restaurants at other tables where they had a bad childhood. Wow. I have to move to another part of the restaurant because I can sense their pain. Yes. And so uh, I'm sensing a lot of pain in these people. People, yes. And it's really destroying me. I'm like the one quiet, mm. straight down the middle, honest guy. And everybody thinks I'm lying. And it, it was horrible. So I come out of the other end and I go to therapy. I go to groups. I go to all sorts of different things. And then I, I'm, because of the TV show, I go deaf. What? I'm like 96% deaf in one ear and maybe 65% deaf in the other ear. So I can't hear my phone ring, my little analog phone. Wow. I can't hear that. I can't hear people when they talk to me. I can't hear anything. Oh. And I'm at this, um, this is about saying yes. Let's go back to the uh -huh. point. This is about saying yes. Uh -huh. And so I am at this wedding and this drunken woman with just more cleavage than I've ever seen on a human being. <laughs> And, and a, a dress intended to show it off. Right. Sits down beside me and goes, hello, what do you do? 
And I said, oh, you know, I'm in radio or something. Like that. And she goes, uh, oh, and she's just incoherent. She's handing a glass to the waiter all the time. And she says to me, um, I, she said, what are you going to do next? I said, well, I'm thinking of going to Buenos Aires to learn tango because I need a new book to write. So I'm thinking of doing that. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, no, my dear, you must go to Brazil. Brazil! And then she gets up and goes away and dances. And as she's walking away, I said, why? <laughs> why? And she goes, and bear in mind, I've told her nothing. Right. For your ears. For huh. your ears. Huh. So I go away and she tells me about this thing. You know, when doing that thing, she tells me about John Agar. I go, look up John Agar. Oh, my God. I have to go to this thing. And I say yes to this whole thing. Uh-huh. And everything since. Has changed. As based on saying yes wow. to that TV show. Wow. Yes right. to the contract. Because if I hadn't fallen ill, I would have never gone to the, uh, been ill. Right. I'd never gone deaf. I would have never gone to John of God. And thousands upon thousands of people have got well or benefited from that book I wrote wow. about John of God. Wow. So it was, say yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't always lead to an easy path. No. But if you say yes, and, and forget the skepticism thing. Be circumspect, be prudent, but say yes. Yeah, you know, I can so relate to this because right after my dad died, I decided, I said to myself, I'm just going to put a yes on my forehead and just go where it leads me. And it has been an incredible ride. Why did you have to wait until after your father had died? I had been saying yes to a lot of things uh, before my dad died, but and but my but what happened was when my dad died, my whole life, I had left the entertainment industry. I had left my creative life basically uh, in two thousand and one when I went to grad school. I had walked away. I was doing a solo show. I walked away because it made my dad uncomfortable. It was about my family and my life, and he was uncomfortable. And I was very dedicated to him not being uncomfortable. So I walked away and said, it's okay. There's plenty of other things I want to do in the world. And, and I, and I, and I do, I mean, I want to, I'm a person who wants to change the world. So I'm like, I'm going to go work on that part of myself. And, and I, and I want to get a master's. I'd always wanted to get a master's. So I found the perfect place to do that. And I have absolutely like no regrets actually about it. Um, so I kind of, so I went to grad school and I got involved in coaching. I was an intern for a while. I was a therapist for a while. And then I got involved in coaching and everything. And I kind of came back around. I was about to do a documentary when my dad died. And I'm an only child. So everything changed because suddenly my dad's life legacy world that was still kind of going on, even though he was dead, it was like it was it was there in front of me. And he and I just I just had a feeling that. I'd always imagined that I would have a career where I was more in front of people, that I was either on a stage or I was on TV or I was on the radio, something like that. I was a communicator of some kind. And suddenly when my dad died, I was put into this place. It was like I was his I was the representative of him, even though he was dead. We had a, there was a DVD they were selling. There was an audio thing. We had a Mark Twain prize to give him. I mean, there were things and I was the sole survivor. Um only child. So I said to myself, you know, I I knew that I wanted to step into the limelight. Literally, I knew being in the spotlight is something I want to do with my life. And so I said, I'm just going to show up in this way and just start to say yes to things that come my way. I didn't even know what that would be. And immediately, the first thing that happened was all these comedians came into my life. I didn't know any comedians before my dad died. 
we didn't hang out with the comedians. And these all these comedians were like, you're so amazing. You're so smart. You're so funny. You're so talented. Why aren't you up on a stage? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you writing? And so I just they started offering me opportunities. And I just I said yes to everything. Oh. How did you decide which ones wanted to know you and give you that kind of affirmation because of who you were as opposed to what you were? I have a, uh, growing up in the shadow of my dad and growing up in that world and growing up in L.A., you, I have a big bullshit meter. Oh, so the radar is up all the a time. A huge radar. Right, yeah. right, right. And it's actually something you wrote about in my handwriting analysis. Oh, did I? Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's actually my radar is too strong sometimes. But so I have big and and I and immediately there were key people that I knew I could trust a hundred percent because of who they are and and their hearts and how they approached me basically, and no one was approaching me to say hey let's use your dad's stuff to do this it was like no you need to go do this you are this thing, so but the whole yes thing was I I consciously said to myself I don't know what this new life is, but I know that because my dad is no longer here. Okay, so what I had was the day after my dad died, I was in my bedroom, and uh, a vision came to me. And the vision was, I was in the wings of a theater where I have spent my entire life in the wings of a theater because I watch my dad on stage all the time. And so the vision was, I was in the wings of the theater, a place I've been my whole life, and I look out on the stage, and the stage is empty, and there's a microphone, and there's a spotlight on it. And then my dad's voice comes into my head and says, hey, kiddo, go for it. It's all lined up for you. And that's when I knew that yes was the word for me. And I said to myself, I'm just going to put a yes on my forehead and see where this takes me. And now here I am six years later. I have a podcast. I have a Sirius XM show. I have a book coming out. But is it also a metaphor? I mean, that, that, that strikes of, me as a very metaphorical dream for you. Of course. Standing in the wings of, of life of, all that time. I, and I see everything as metaphor. I mean, that's kind right. of my Jungian place anyway. Of course it's a metaphor. And... And even even my father's voice in my head could be a, a metaphor or myself talking to me or whatever it is, but it didn't matter. It was the meaning of the power of that moment for me that I knew that I have personal grief to go through in order to grieve my father. And yet there's something like his work is done now and now it's time for me to do my work. But when it came to you to do your work, did you know who you were? I... Because we don't yes. know about the handwriting, but there was a certain element about you yes. that you had given power away, however you've done that, because I don't know you, but you've given power away. And I do. I did wonder when I read the handwriting thing, I thought, how much of her does she actually know exists and how much of it is a construct I based on how she was brought up? And I think it is a, I think it's something, since my mother, my mother died in 97, and in that moment in 97, was a, a huge wake an awakening for me and it's really where I believe I've started my path to who I you know finding my voice my true voice and and sharing it with the world and it's been an onion peeling slow process of course but you know I started this podcast three years ago this was the most terrifying thing for me to do was to turn on this machine and start speaking out to the world and just saying my thoughts because I thought, holy shit, no one knows what my thoughts are, and I'm now going to reveal myself. And it was terrifying. And yet, it's one thing I said yes to, because I knew I wanted to do it. On so, you know, I knew that's like, that's, and you know, it's that, it's that weird, funky, 
a t- intuitive thing where you just it's a trial and error too you know i mean it's the kind of thing where i say to my clients here i was thinking about it today when you're driving and you're merging you know when you're merging so you're coming onto the freeway you know the people who like come on the freeway and immediately they tense up and they start to slow down and they they and, and i'm, I'm want to say to them look you're never going to get on the freeway by slowing down because we're all going faster than you in order to know how to how to get on the freeway of life you have to be willing to accelerate and go with the flow of things then you'll figure out which lane you're supposed to be in once you get on <laughs> but the people who like try to come and I think about that. I think that it's like I say to my clients, you're never going to get anywhere by just sitting in your house thinking about it. You've got to push the accelerator forward and at least try something. And then right. you'll you'll know this fits, this doesn't fit. Yeah, but there's also a, an element of the, the fear that goes with that. Obviously, there's a huge amount of fear before Terror. people step out. Yes. And uh, I, I always used to say that um, if you step out... It's like an abyss in front of you. Yes. And uh, if you step out in faith with a little f, not not a God thing, but yes. if you step out in faith, yes, the ground will rise to meet For your feet. For sure, yes. But you don't think that. And you know what it is? I've, if, when people don't understand what that means, I always refer to the Indiana Jones one with Sean Connery. Yes. In. Do you remember that? When he has to, the, 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 the anti-venom or whatever this thing is, is across this gorge. Yes. And and he goes, how will I get across here? It's like 100 yards wide. And and in the end, his father's voice goes, go, go. Mm-hmm. And he puts a foot out and the camera moves around and there's a bridge there, which is the same color as the cliff. Yeah. That he's looking at. Right. And that's exactly how life is. Yes. You've got to step out in faith, little f, uh, and the ground will rise to meet your feet. Uh, absolutely. You, or you can stay this side of the gorge and never know. Well, yeah. And it, and I think it comes back to then that thing we were talking about, perspective and belief, because if you are in a purely skeptical, arms crossed, eight of the doors are shut perspective, then nothing you're not going anywhere so of course nothing's going to show up but if you are in that open space that let's see what happens let's just believe or let's just surrender to it that immediately like something comes to meet you that you could have never seen because you know, we think we know it all, but we're so limited in oh, our... Absolutely. We don't know You anything. don't know anything. And we're all foraging through the woods. We, we don't know anything. I, I had the same experience with... Um, I, I was doing my very first handwriting gig. I don't, I don't do gigs anymore generally, but, but I did this first handwriting gig in London. And it was, uh, I had an agent there and he got me a corporate gig, mm. which was being held in Madame Tussauds Waxworks. Wow. After hours. Wow. So I, I've never done a corporate thing before. I, I've never done it for a group of people. I've never done it for a line of people. Right. I just do what I did for you. Yes. Sit, either sit down face to face or I write it out. Uh, it's always powerful, mm. uh, but I They've never done a crowd. Right. So I'm. they, they say to me, look, they're having a meal in this hall. Mm. All you got to do is stand in this side room and just wait. Once they're finished, we'll cue you. You'll come in. You'll sit down. We've got a little podium for you. And people will just come up if they choose to. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrified. Like we're saying, I'm mm. terrified. At that moment before you, your father dies, what do I do with the rest of my life? <laughs> yes. I open this microphone. What am I going to say? I have no <laughs> idea. And I stand there. And I'm in this room, a darkened room full of mannequins of waxworks. It's like something out of a Vincent Price movie. And I'm standing there for half an hour, and they're all in shadow because Princess Diana and Will Smith and all these people. And I'm standing in this room, and it's all subdued lighting with these figures in silhouette around me, and I'm thinking, this is the creepiest, weirdest thing I've ever known. 
And you know who I see? Oprah. Oh, my God. And she's got a microphone. (laughs) This is young Oprah. This is young Oprah, a slightly thinner Oprah. And so I go over and, you know, I'm alone in this huge room. And I go over to Oprah and she's got a microphone and I go, Oprah. (laughs) You know, this is absolutely, I'm not a word of a lie. I go, it's like she's interviewing me. I go, yeah, I do handwriting analysis. I know I'm really good and it blows people's minds. But, and you would approve because it's like all like growing the spirit and, I'm terrified, Oprah. <laughs> there, there's 300 people in that room, and I'm terrified. Mm. And you know, she's just staring ahead. The woman <laughs> has no idea. And as I'm there, I hear a voice in my head, which goes, "Go for it, go for it." And I go in, and I sit down, and I'm thinking, "Okay, I can mm. do this." Mm. I can. So Oprah says it's okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Waxwork Oprah says it's okay. Oprah And I I just sit there and nobody comes. Oh, my God. I'm like an idiot. I'm sitting there like a busker on the side of the street with my hat out. I haven't got a hat, but I mean, I'm sitting there with my little pad and a pen, a a ballpoint, and nobody comes. Mm. And then I think somebody just takes pity on me. They're all eating and chatting, and it's very noisy, and there's a band playing over there, and I'm just sitting there, this lonely figure in an ill-fitting suit with Oprah's voice ringing in my head. And, And this one woman comes up. And I give her like 10 minute little reading, mm-hmm. which is all you can do. It's like, yes. I mean, it's not like the mammoth thing I gave you, but it's like a little thing. And she bursts into tears, which has never happened to me in person. But I go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I take it back. But she said, no, you're no. absolutely right. Yeah. She goes back to the table, tells everybody at the table. Then I have a line of eight people. Then they tell people. <laughs> so I am then hired for like an hour and a half to do, you know, eight right, people. So right. I have a line which stretches right out the door. <sighs> Of people all waiting. And now the waiters have cleared the tables. There's just chalk, <laughs> you know, like plywood. Yes, the waiters yes. are in their regular clothes. Looking at you the like, The lights dude. are on. Right. And I've still got a line out the door. Wow. Of pe- and everybody's cried. Well, virtually everybody's cried. Yes. And they're all sobbing and they're comparing notes. And, and they turn the light. And I've been there four hours. Oh, my God. The organisers have gone home. <laughs> Madame Tussauds is still open. O- Oprah has melted. Oprah has already melted. <laughs> uh, like butter. And um, and that was like that for the start of something. Wow. And I, if I hadn't said yes. But sometimes you can't say yes. You don't have the courage to step out no. of faith. Sometimes you need a friend you need something you need a waxwork oprah yeah. to say well, go for it i mean then you know? that's why you know i i studied coaching and i coach clients i don't i don't coach a lot but I, that's why i love coaching because and you know and, and people say this about therapy too it's like oh i can't believe i'm hiring someone to listen to me talk or or i can't believe i'm hiring a coach you know to get me to do my to-do list or whatever it is but but this is an interesting thing and i was actually thinking about this today i wanted to talk to you about this is like what is it about us, you know, this human mind, because I was thinking about it on the global scale, too. I was listening to this story on the about the pipeline. And it's like, we know what we need to do as a species, like around the environment and fuel, we, you know, and health, I mean, all sorts of things. So this is an impersonal thing, we know what we need to do. And then in our lives, we know, not even what we need to do, but what we need to do, and what we want to do. I was talking to a friend at lunch, he's like, you know, I really want to, I want to be doing yoga more and I want to be meditating. And yet I sit on my couch and I play my video games. It's like, you know, there's this thing, you know, and I was thinking, what is it about us that knows the path, knows the yes, knows the shining big version of ourselves, the big life we want to lead 
And yet still we stay on the couch and play the video game or we don't pass the laws to protect the planet that might not be able to be inhabitable in 200 years or 100 years or whatever it is. It's like, what is it? Is there a key to this? Well, the answer was in your question there because you said that they know uh, or we know, you put the kind of we in there, we know this big shining path ahead. We know our path. No, we don't. Most people don't know that. Most mm. people feel very disempowered. Mm. They have um, sold out to their past. I mean, I do these handwriting things a lot, and, uh, and it's a very common thing that they are prisoners of their past. Yes. They're prisoners of their tribe. They're prisoners of tribal thinking. They're prisoners of a lot of things. And they do not understand. This is us. This is us sitting in this room. Yes. It's as much as it's anybody listening. Yes. We do not begin to understand the power we have yeah. for in our own lives and to affect others. Just by doing this podcast right now, who knows somewhere that yeah. somebody isn't listening and going, you know, that yes idea they were talking about, that kind of appeals. Mm -hmm. But until you're on that path, until you reach a certain resonance, right. a vibration that says, wow, I'm feeling a little better about this. I'm feeling a little courageous. I may go and do this. Until you get to that point, you're in that sort of mire, that mm -hmm swamp of can I really what will my father say what will my friends say if I do this uh, it, yes. and it, until you're prepared to go uh, I am this powerful powerful human being yes I'm this infinite consciousness inside this old sack of bones I can do anything Within re within reason, um, and I have this path to follow. Yes, I, and I think people don't even realize they have a purpose. Um, I, I say in, in in the book actually that that uh, that um, purpose. Because people go, well, I don't know what my purpose is. The right. purpose is your purpose is buried at the intersection of passion and service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And beautiful. if you if you find people who are going, well, I don't know what to do with my life, or oh, I watch video games, or <laughs> whatever. The truth is, you're, you've not found your point of service yet. Mm. If you serve people, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling lonely, mm -hmm. and that, believe me, I'm not a great example of this because I'm learning it even as I go. Of course. But it's certainly a lesson I needed to learn. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're feeling like life has no value, Stop worrying about what life has to give you yeah. and be of service yeah. to others. Just extend the drawbridge go offer over your, the moat. Go offer yourself some, yes. somewhere. Just, just do something. Yes. And then you've opened a door. My, uh, I was feeling incredibly down. Uh, I had this, you know, you know, a midlife crisis. You know, you've yes. heard that. And I had a midlife crisis. Uh, I never saw it coming. Never, and it just suddenly hit me, and I had it for about a year and a half. Mm. And it was an inverse midlife crisis because, due to my career, I've, I've been so blessed with my career, radio and television, and everything I've done. Um, uh, I have done almost everything. Mm hmm. Because they would say, oh, well, we're dealing with serious news. You go and parachute out of a plane. Or you go to, to Russia and find out what it's like there. Or you go to Cambodia. and That's how it worked. And so I got to do a million things. I get to a certain age and I'm going, I'm actually lying on a boat in Austria. I'm on, I'm on the Danube, lying on the top of a cruise ship. And I look up at the stars and I go, wow, <laughs> I have no value, do I? Uh. I have nowhere to go, no dreams left. Mm. I've done everything. Mm. Uh, all, everything I ever want to do, I've done. And um, I have no value. I'm minuscule. Mm. I am minuscule. And um, uh, this book actually was, was an answer to that. That was my way of answering that, that, that question. But, but I got to, um, earlier this year, 
And um, I had really had nothing to do. I was just staring at the walls, feeling so miserable. Oh, my books were out. Everything was finished. I was like, now what? I've done everything. What am I going to do? Right. And my partner goes, um, who runs a beauty salon, and he goes, come into my shop and answer the phones. Hmm. I go, are you out of your mind? Kind of like, don't you know who I am? Right. 40 years on the BBC. TV show in Travel Channel. Uh-huh. Um, I really had that moment, that mm. kind of breakdown, don't you know who I am moment. Yes. How dare you suggest? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to bag groceries next day. <laughs> what am I going to do? What what heights can I soar to next? <laughs> and I went and did it. Uh. And I swept up hair. And I brought coffee for people. Hmm. And I folded towels. Hmm. I did all of this. And um, occasionally I still do it when he needs help. Mm-hmm. And it was humbling. Mm-hmm. It was real, and it was of service. Mm -hmm. And I got some thrill Mm. out of fixing somebody's appointment when they couldn't make it today, but they could make it tomorrow if we could get there by 4 o'clock. And what, do you want a cut and a colour? Oh, I can do that. Yeah. I got a thrill out of that, and I thought, this is ridiculous, and I'm really lowering myself. Uh, No, I was saying yes to something. Mm. There was an opportunity, which I had no idea what this opportunity was. It was a chance to be of service. And I think what is wrong, when you go back to the original question, when you say, what is wrong with us? We have changed from service, which was in the 60s, 70s and so on, was all, business was all about service. What can we do for you? How can we make your life better? We've invented this washing machine to make your life easier. This car goes faster. This will take your kids to school. To greed. Yeah. Where we, where we go, um, what's in it for me? Yeah. What can I get? How can I make that extra buck? Oh, I, if somebody yesterday said to me, um, she goes, um, uh, you know, I know it's hard if you lose your job. This is serious. I, I, I know it's hard if you lose your job and you can't uh, uh, have any food. But... That's capitalism. It's just the way it goes. Oh, my Lord. Am I responsible for that? Now, of course, I'm going, mm. yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Because you are that person. Mm. Are you different to me? No, you are me. Mm. If you can't eat, I can't eat. Yes. Because the fact I've got food in my mouth does not mind I'm eating. I, can, I am you. And so um, this idea that you are above something mm. or you are, you have no place, you have no purpose, you're not important, you don't matter. Yeah. Is re- you matter because you ca- you are here. You're here. You matter because you can. Yeah. You matter because you can be of service to somebody. Yeah. And I have done things in my yes days and I've done things where I've just marched out of the house and done something. Mm. I've tithed. Mm. Tithe. Mm. That's of service. Just mm. tithe. I'll hear somebody on the radio or something and I'll just send money to them. Um, and, uh, you know, my my tithing money, not just money willy-nilly. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it makes a difference. Wow, that's it's such a, you know, it's so interesting. Because but tithe of your time, tithe of your energy, uh, tithe of your compliments, tithe of, don't uh, just give money, but yeah, tithe. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I love that concept of tithing. I, we, there, and it is the something that creates the common again, you know, the, the, this idea of the commons that we used to have as uh, uh, in Western culture, you know, and, and we don't, we don't, we don't, it is, it's like the I has, you know, and there's always this swing between the I and the we. I know you're a Ken Wilber fan. I know you read that stuff too. And, you know, they talk about the different developmental stages of humanity and it kind of, and it'll swing from an I to a we to an I, you know, it's always kind of compensating back and forth. And, 
And I think it is frustrating being stuck in this culture that is so I oriented, which creates, I mean, innovation comes from I and creativity. A lot of things come from I, you know, and it comes from we too. But, but you know, I is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And yet when you understand that there needs to be a balance of the we and feel connected to the we and live in this culture that has no respect for it at all, can't even talk about it, you know, like it just is so freaked out by it. It feels um, a level of despair starts to come over me. And a couple of years ago, that's what happened to me about four years ago. I th- and part of it, I think, was just the grieving of my dad and this huge shift in my own personal life. But I just got a real sense of despair about everything. And I've, I've never been that person. I've always been the person who sees the big picture and sees the evolution and the lifting up. And, and I just spent 10 years in that space, really studying that stuff. And, and I, and I think, and I feel like I'm coming back around again, which is like, yay, (laughs) yay, I'm out of my despair. (laughs) But it, but it is this, and it is by when you're of service, you are acknowledging the we because you're saying I'm I see you a and we're in relation and I'm here to just lift you up in some way or acknowledge you in some way and 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 we all know that when we're acknowledged you know out of the blue by someone you know when when a listener like I'll go and someone I'll get an email and say PayPal you've got da 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 and $25 and I'm like and a listener will just basically what they're doing is tithing they'll say you know what I heard your show the other day and it was incredible and I just wanted to send this and just show you my support for the podcast and I and I'm so touched by that because it's like wow we're connecting we are a we we do matter. They they affect me. I affect them. We're all raising each other up. And and yet people like me and you and, you know, us who do this kind of work in the world, it's like, but we want it to go faster. I yeah, want, sure. I mean, our politicians in this country, are you an American citizen now? No. So you just... I'm foreign. So you, you for your furner, your goddamn... Your goddamn furner. Uh, you know, watching these politicians, there's they can't even they don't even socialize together anymore. I mean, the the government is nothing is perfect as we know. There's no institutions that are perfect. The U.S. government's no, I mean, it's you know, it's more I think a little more fair than a dictatorship, obviously. But there used to be a conversation that would be had between the right and the left, and these people would golf together, and they would have lunch together, and they would have dinner parties together, and their wives would socialize. None of that goes on. No, because anymore. at one time they were representing you, right? And there was now a they're we. representing themselves, right. and they're representing their their corporate overlords and the I, yes. yes. And that that is really the problem. In fact, as a foreigner, the the foreigner thing really plays into this. It plays into the waking from the American dream mm-hmm. because. As a guy who uh, came into this country and observed, yes, which of course is the best way. When you go to Europe, you can observe them better than Europeans can. <laughs> yes, and um, I as I, I did this book and I went around not not this book, but I went to a travel book and I went around America visiting really crappy museums, and that was my assignment to go to really bad. Is this theme the gullible travel? The gullible travel. I'm so like, going to read this. It, it was, sounds amazing. I just went to lots and lots and lots of really bad theme parks and uh, and, and and museums. But what uh, quite aside from the topic, what struck me so forcibly was that wherever I went, it even applies to my partner's family back in Kansas, they're, like, they're from Kansas, uh, everybody was so angry and, and frustrated and dissatisfied. And, uh, you know, I come here, I, 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 I got to another midlife, <laughs> two midlife crises, but I had one <laughs> when I, I'd lost everything back in England and I just burnt all my belongings and just set off to America when I was 40 with two bags, no money, I just arrived. Wow. I said, I'm going to give this American dream thing a try. Yeah. 
And then I got a job which actually allowed me to go around the country and explore the American dream. Uh, and what I found was, ending with Graceland, obviously, which, yeah, which is kind of funny. Of course. Given that he was a representation of the American dream. Um, and it was just unhappiness and frustration. No, I mean, mm. not always, obviously. Some people are really, really nice. But a lot of, there was a lot of frustration and yes. unhappiness and anger. Noticeable. Clearly. Noticeable to a foreigner. Yes. And um, what I came to the conclusion back then, this was a while ago, but I came to the conclusion that the reason was that you've been promised so much. Mm. You had been given this promise that yes. if you just work hard, yes. you just try your best, yes. and you do the right thing, you will rise. You will rise. You will get that job. You will be. There'll be a ladder. You'll get the white picket you, fence. Yeah, house. you get everything. Mm-hmm. So then, people. Some people get it, and they find out that oh. Oh, it's meaningless. Yeah. And some people don't get it. And they go, why have I not got it? So then there's jealousy going on. But yep. even for the people who got it, yes, um, there's a tremendous dissatisfaction. It's like, oh, okay, I got two cars. I guess I could get a third one. Yeah. Maybe that'll make it better. It doesn't. Nothing no. makes it better. Mm-hmm. And it was a fundamental flaw in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is why government still has this control. Because you salute a flag. You're, you've got your football teams. Mm. You've got your politicians waving the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, very few, well, not enough people, a few people are doing it now, but not enough people are going, hang on a second, isn't the power internal within me uh, and us and we and not you? Mm-hmm. Isn't is it ba- not based on how many cars I have, but how fulfilled I am? Yes. And how can I be fulfilled when you're polluting our food and our water and our oceans and you're killing us? Huh. Now we're getting better because we're because of the internet. We're which is why they want to control the internet, of course. Yep. But they, they they don't want this getting out. But it's kind of the cat's out of the bag. But that is what is happening. So over the years, I've thought, wow, how could these people fall for this in such numbers? Yeah. And of course, it changed during that time from service to greed. Yes. And once it got to greed, yeah, uh, you were screwed because it's then like people are just now treading water as yeah. fast as they can just to keep up. Yeah. And the uh, the the elite are going. Hey, we're taking more of your money. Yeah, you're going to work even harder for what you want. And and what you're going to get is trash. And this is exactly why I named this podcast Waking from the American Dream, because it because then also the dream is still alive. So people think, well, I'm going to vote against my economic uh, best interest because someday I will be a billionaire and I don't want to have to pay 50 percent in taxes. So I'm going to believe that I'm going to get there. And yet the, 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 the the. possibility that they're going to make it there now is even crazier than it was 30 years ago and and it's yes and so the part of the obviously part of the waking up is waking up to know that yes the power is inside of you to be fulfilled you don't need a fucking car to fucking define who you are and, and politicians are not going to make it better in and of themselves. Exactly. I had a friend actually who's who's a, I love her to death, but she's a Republican. I mean, not not but she's a Republican, but and she's a Republican. Mm-hmm. So I love her to death. And uh, we have these conversations. And and I said I said to um, she heard me talking to a, a a Democratic fundraiser on the phone. Uh-huh. You know, they call used to call you and oh, say, "Hey, yes. will you give us money?" And I was really nice to this person, saying, "Oh, wow, how interesting." And she goes, "Why would you do that? He Obama's a socialist." I said. Oh, right. Okay. So socialism. She said, we don't want socialism in this country. And I go, uh, who do you think operates intersections and traffic lights? She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, and libraries. Right. And when you fly, who operates the airport? Mm -hmm. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, it's socialism. Mm -hmm. And she goes, hang on. Stop. Stop. You're confusing me with words. (laughs) You're confusing (laughs) me. 
you're confusing me with words. Yeah. So, yeah. And it never went anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, there, there is... They're duped. And it's, it's the Glenn Becks and it's yeah, everybody else. Well, and the thing is, is that, yes, they, they're... Conf- we're all confused, but there's, there's a real confusion between what the we is, which is what you're talking about, is we decide to have streets. We decide that the red light means stop. We've all agreed on that, and we collectively do a lot of great things. And we, the power of we is powerful. And too much of we, you end up with communistic uh, Russia and people with no incentive to do anything, and it doesn't work. Then there's the I, very important. It motivates people. It's I. It's about fulfilling your destiny. It's about your, your path. And yet too much I... And you get the greed of the corporatocracy we live in now, you know, so and it's just it it does astound me when they don't understand that there is always going to have to be collective action that this ideal of the 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 rough the rugged individual the cowboy the pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's a story. It's a myth. It's something that it's 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 an archetype that's an uh, an important one for certain areas and times in life, but it's not how we we, we can't all be rugged individual cowboys. <laughs> then you get the wild west. Is that really what you want to live in? Exactly. Well, some of them do. Some well, of them yeah. want that. They want to actually well, scramble and fight and stuff like and, that. But, but you know, it's if you the higher you go, the more the more the higher the vibration of the person, the more they go Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, I see now. You're higher up the mountaintop. You're higher up the ladder. Yeah. And you can see what's going on. The lower down you are, the more you... Like, there was, there was some... I heard some guy um, talking about... One, it was one podcast. Now I'm completely hooked on these things. And, <laughs> and this guy was saying how... Um, the head of PETA, it was. Uh, and uh-huh. he, was, he was saying how he'd gone to uh, somebody who uh, runs one of these uh, huge factories that uh, slaughters chickens and puts them on a... They hang them upside down on a conveyor and then they go towards this circular saw and they can see it coming. Oh, and it, you know, it's just, And it cuts their head off and stuff. But sometimes it misses slightly and they, they, it's just horrible. And he went up to this guy and he said, you know, uh, come on, guy. You know, there's, there's actually humane ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, as long as it makes me money. Yeah. I'll be doing it. Yeah, there are. And, it, and I thought, there you go. That's the I. But he's a low resonance person. He's yeah. a low vibration right. guy. We're dragging these guys up the mountainside yeah. and they won't come because they're so heavy. <laughs> you know, usually they're so heavy and you can't drag them up. But they're the ones we're trying to drag behind us yeah. into gay rights and, um, yes. you know, equal equal pay for women. Simple things that make so much sense to higher vibration people. Yeah. To lower vibration, they're a mystery. Yeah. There, you know, you don't just go out and shoot animals in the wild. You don't do that. But low vibration people, you do. They see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. There, it's uh, that's why I love the whole integral theory, all the Ken Wilber and stuff. Because it, because if you really look at society and really understand the difference between like tribal thinking and and the um the, the kind of the national one god one country and then the the, the it's and you people got there you know what i'm talking about go 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 read some ken wilbur uh it just it helps me to understand i mean you were saying higher or lower vibration i think it of like is kind of a, a world view a developmental world view kind of a thing um it it makes the world much more understandable for me and 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 i get a little less despair but you know when i see people when i see what's going to happen with global warming and you know and climate change and how the republicans just took over all of our thing and it's like they're gonna 
that the guy who's going to run possibly the environmental policy committee in hope is a man yes in hope who doesn't believe in climate change because god wouldn't god if god's in charge and god wouldn't do that um yeah but then you've got to look behind that and go well i wonder how many oil companies Oh. contributed to his funding of, of course and and the, if there's no if there's actually you know how i would believe that guy i if if we looked into him and we found out that not a single oil or gas company <laughs> or any of these or coal mines or anything right. had contributed to his campaign funds right if they hadn't right and i challenge it if, if, if you can find out that there's no i would go great there's a guy who was just backing just, his beliefs. He just believes. But if you look behind it, what are the chances, really? Yeah, but even really? if he is just backing his beliefs, you know I what? I mean, he's a, yes, he's he's a, a nutty if view. He's a, if he's a true Christian, he wants to make sure the whole world survives. And he, uh, any, Anyway, the whole science thing. Anyway, that's another conversation. We're running out of time here. Oh, so, we're not. We didn't even mention the handwriting. I know, handwriting. I know. So uh, anyway, uh, I'll talk more about the handwriting thing another time. But anyway, first of all, I just blown away by what Cash what you did with my handwriting you uh i did cry did you cry <laughs> did you seriously did you cry course, yes yeah, they always so cry powerful. they always cry there's something and here's the thing about uh, and i have to tell you and i'm not going to use the word skeptic but um i <laughs> it's fine if you want but i, I just have done i uh, in my 20s and 30s i did a, i did everything i've been on the fucking path for fucking ever 80 since 1980 and um, done it all and use it all. I take it all and use what I can and, and find it all meaningful. But I don't I don't understand any of it. My I've got a very scientific mind. I was, you know, a chemistry, physics oh, person really? in high school. I love science and I still love science. I love science. Science is important to me. Um and I and I and I believe that actually that most of the stuff that we don't really know how to measure and understand it all yet and that someday we will. And I also know there's a lot of fucking con artists out there, too. So but when I read Teresa's handwriting, I was blown away. And then, <laughs> then you wrote this analysis for me and I was beyond blown away. And, and I was talking to someone about it yesterday. I said, yeah, you know, there's even parts of where he says, look, you know, we're kind of all hooked on our past, aren't we all? And you wrote that, you know, and I said, yeah, of course, that's one that we all know. But then there's like, there's things about the way that you said things to Teresa that were, would never apply to me ever, 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 ever. And things <laughs> that she read, and she read mine, it was also like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> and but here's the gift of, of what you do is like I said, you do the flashlight on the infrastructure of our mind. And, and, and I and I was talking to my therapist about this. And I'm like, you know, okay, yeah, I know I have these issues. And I've been working on them slowly or quickly or whatever but there was a couple of things that you said and the way you said them I had never thought about them that way had never heard them languaged that way or the whatever metaphor you used in around it that was like a glass of cold water being thrown in my face and but in a good way because oh. it's like it's the thing where you go that's the very thing, the very thing that I am terrified of revealing to the world about who I am. And here's the stranger who has just told me that he sees this in my handwriting and therefore, and, and, and since it's the thing that's most terrifying, now it's out of the cat's out of the bag. So it's not secreted in the little tr treasure thing way down in the basement. It's out now and it's open. And thank fucking God, because I'm tired of fucking defending against it. 
It's one of those moments. That's the gift you give people. Wow, thank you. Yes, it's powerful stuff. Wow. And so for you people out there who are even uh, circumspect about these things... If you're interested, I highly recommend it. Go to cashpeters.com. And please check out his books, too. You're, you're writing. We didn't even get a chance to talk about writing. You are such a fun writer. I, oh, I laughed you. my ass off in this book. That, oh, really? That character that you created uh, to bring these spiritual truths is fucking hysterical. You're hysterical. You're oh, great. Well, and you so it's much. entertaining. And you've got these great gifts of of the truth and you know and you've, you're pulling from all these great teachers and a lot of them I've read if you probably looked at my bookshelf and uh and so it's just it's a great read so people out there who love things like eat pray love or um you know the parables of uh, what's his name Paulo Coelho oh, the, the name I've never dared pronounce uh, the, the alchemist those kind of books <laughs> because this is this is what I wrote about your uh this this book um hold on it's called why your life matters and I say it's a cross between it's a Wonderful Life and and Richard Bach and and then some sort of like body uh, humorist. I don't even know. You know, I, I can't even think who it is, but it's just this wonderful amalgam of, of characters and people. And and good for you. You must be so happy you've written that. Thank you. I, it was it was um, what, what, what the book is, essentially, is a, a it's a series of lessons. for yes. me. Yes. For me. Yes. Um, taken from that day when I lay on that boat, and I thought, you know, I've spent years uh, reading self-help books, and it doesn't work. Why does? Why am I still unhappy? Why doesn't it work? And I got down, and I tried to explain as best I could in the shortest time I had what the actual way was. Yeah. Based on my life experience, not because I would go and travel around the world, and I would not be really interested in what I was reporting on at all. Even with a TV show, I'd be off doing, you know, I'd have to do all these shots of this TV mm-hmm. show. In between times, mm. I would talk to people about what they believed and what they right. thought and what they knew. So you wrote the book for yourself. Yeah. And it was a, comp- but, it, but it was a long time coming. Yeah. Because I didn't realize when I was talking to all these people all over the that world. That you were accumulating that I was, all of this. I, well, I, I wasn't even accumulating information. I was shaving off edges of my perspective. Uh, so the, what I was left with, uh, because of this commonality and you know some weirdos and whatever, but some commonality yeah. was right there because I put an ad in the paper. I didn't tell you that I put an ad in the paper in the LA Weekly, uh-huh. and it said it's in the book actually. It goes um, uh, the ad, the actual ad. Yeah, I put that in the LA Weekly wow. for, for me <laughs> during okay. my LA, during oh. my midlife crisis. All it, right, it, Cash, you gotta have to come back because we gotta talk about that. Oh, we gotta stop. I can't yeah, even tell you what the ad time. is. We're at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Tell us what the ad is. But it uh, just said, um, uh, "What is this?" I think now you got me under pressure. Oh, I can't shit. remember. Uh, it goes, um, "Lost soul." Lost soul. Uh, yeah. It goes, "Lost soul seeking something to believe in." Something like over forty-five uh, doesn't know what to do. If you know more than I do, please get in touch. <laughs> And I was inundated with people writing to me. Uh, and I had to go and interview all these people. I met them all. And I, I went to their homes. Did and you I... document this? Yeah. You need to do something with this. Well, I have. I've written this book. I know. but, you <laughs> but... Oh, look. Here it is in my hand. And the process, though. I think it's fascinating. But I did. I went, I went and met, I met hermits and I met all these people. And it was um, oh, it was fascinating. Damn. All right. Well, we're running out of time. But we're gonna, you're going to have to come back because now I didn't even... I I need to, we could talk for we're gonna we will talk for the rest of our lives cash clearly 
so thank you so much for coming here You're today. You're welcome. And I'm hoping you uh, did f- felt fine being here after being so nervous. Yeah, you're not as fearsome <laughs> as I had you made out to be, actually. You're, you're not this crushing weight of intellect. No. Uh, you're, you're intellectual, oh, but you managed to not make me feel small. Really. I have soft sides. I have you soft do. Sides. You're lovely. I do. Thank you, darling. You're welcome. Uh, so uh, check out Cash, Cash Peters. Check out his newest book, Why... Your you, life matters. Your life matters. And uh, and if you're interested in the handwriting analysis, give it a shot. I'm telling you. And then send me an email and let me know how it, it hits you because it's fucking amazing. Well, the email just say holy shit. Exactly. That's all you need to say is holy shit balls. It's my <laughs> new favorite thing. All right. So thank you, Cash, for being here. You're very welcome. It's lovely. And uh, th- thank my uh, dear engineer, Logan, who is not here today. He's still out and about. I think he's going to be gone for the rest of the year, but uh, we will manage somehow. But we love Logan and we miss him. And thank you, Will, at Smodcast for doing all of the things you do with the ones and zeros here. And of course, thank you, Kevin Smith, who is the man who uh, I'm on his network my podcast is on his network and i read his, and, and book, read his recently. book and that's how you, you found yeah. out about me that's another way you found out about me and and thank you you the listener um you know who you are out there you're the one listening right now and thank you for taking the time and sticking me in your ear i do appreciate it and um and here's how you can show some appreciation if you feel like it if you enjoyed this show or any of the other shows that you've heard do me a favor and go on to itunes and rate and review the review is important part too but rate and review the show um that just helps my general reputation in the world which even though i don't really give a shit about other people do and it just allows me to do my work in broader and different ways and gives me more creative control actually over my work um which is what it's really all about right is having creative control over our lives and if you happen to have a few extra shekels in your pocket this week and want to support the, po- the actual podcast, go to kellycarlin.com and click on the tab that says Waking from the American Dream. And you'll see a little PayPal button. Click that and send whatever feels comfortable for you. A dollar, ten dollars, ten thousand dollars. We accept it all here. And uh, and every single dollar is appreciated, even if it's only two dollars or five dollars. It's appreciated because it's knowing that you're listening, you're appreciating, you're tired tithing as my new term i'm totally going to use that term to this woman. and i am tithing to the world i tithe all the time with people and so let's 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 rise each other up here and and we do appreciate it, it helps keep the lights on uh here at uh, waking from the american dream and so as we go out we're going to play one more song by eric schwartz and this one's called take it out on me and uh enjoy yourselves have a great thanksgiving have a turkey day um, and, um, you know, I don't know. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Try That's it. it. Let's try it. Try it for the but, week. Uh, but don't be skeptical. Don't be. Yeah. Just be circumspect. That's way better. Yeah. Okay. That's my new word. I love it. Have a great week. I couldn't help but notice that you're standing on my toes. I can't help but be suspicious, you're aware that this is so But I've come to no conclusion Till I've gathered all the facts And the fragments of the fingernails and channels down my back But since we started dating a couple months ago I've detected, shall we say, a certain ebb and flow And I treat you like a queen, it's safe to say 
place I really don't deserve this But I dig it anyway So, mama Drag it all up if you wanna You wanna get it all out if you gotta Take it out on me Yeah, so Mama You wanna be a prima donna if you wanna Be a screamer demon to my Dalai Lama Take it out on me Baby, take it out on me Friends are asking questions And I'm running out of lies To explain the coloration change around my eyes But I'll stick with the deception Cause they haven't got a clue And they'll never see the loyalty I feel for you Through it all, you managed to exude a certain charm As you dragged me down the path between hurt and harm And I swear to you that naught shall be revealed As long as you will have me, my swollen lips are sealed So, mama, you wanna drag it all up if you wanna You wanna let it all out if you gotta Take it out on me, yeah, so Scream a demon to my Dalai Lama Take it out on me Better take it out on me Oh yeah Now in cases of projection I tend to think it best To illuminate the specter of the unexpressed And along with these behaviors I've detected in your mean A certain sense of lightness heretofore unseen So I'll reflect from me direction And postpone a self-review As you would expect that any decent psychotherapist would do When faced with the patient of your esprit and verve Besides a straight attack could just come back and strike another nerve I'd seem a dad psychotic And you'd think that I have learned But it's really symbiotic as far as I'm concerned Our interactions, I'd imagine I present a mental predilection, a cerebral bent, and your coping mechanism scuttles mine. 'Cause I just can't be too heady when my ass is on the line. So, mama, you wanna dredge it all up if you wanna, you wanna let it all out if you gotta, take it out on. Set your freak free. Come on, walk the